What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Checkpoint Podcast episode, what is it, six? Uh, I'm your host, Tyler Hall. I'm joined by the illustrious baby bird, <laughs> Matt Drobot. I don't know why you're a baby bird, but you are. Okay, I'll take it. <laughs> I heard through the through the grapevine that you were into baby birding. And so, oh, so you're also tapped into the baby birding community is what I understood from that. I'm just aware of it. You're just aware of it. Unfortunately. But you have connections enough to let you uh, I have connections network enough within to it. To you, unfortunately. That's <laughs> Am the... I your connection to the baby birding <laughs> you community? You were telling me earlier that you were uh, <laughs> at the baby birding convention. This feels um, like the departed for fetishes. <laughs> It was what was it when you went back home for the Midwest Fur Fest or something like that? You uh, you decided the to also Midwest Fur Fest. The... Is that a real thing or did you just come up with that name? No, that's a hundred percent a thing. That's an episode of All Gas No Breaks right there. Oh, yeah, he goes to the Midwest Channel Fur Five. Fest. Yeah, now now Channel Five. Don't watch All Gas. It was stolen, stolen content. <laughs> um, how have you been? It's been a while since we've sat down. We skipped a week. Um, I'm doing good, you know. Um, Are you sure this sounds like you're, you're asking me? No, you know, I'm just, I'm <laughs> not a lot happened in my life, you know. Doing some gaming, watching some movies. Actual gaming, or are you just playing shit you've already played before? That is gaming, <laughs> but yeah, it's cyberpunk. I don't hate. Oh my god! Oh my. You're just jealous because you can't play Cyberpunk. You beat it. It's for, okay. I, I can play it. It would just make me hate it I've more done, if I did. I've done one ending. You've only beaten it once? Um, Yeah. I thought you'd beaten it a few times. No, I've only finished it uh, once. Hmm. You just have a few different playthroughs going on? Yeah, I think I had too many going, and so then I narrowed it down and you know was just playing to enjoy it again. Do you? And not like a overly like try to do builds or stuff like that. Do you enjoy it? Oh yeah, hundred hmm. percent. Hmm. What about it? Um, like all the characters teeing up on the streets, or gotta love that. Or just <laughs> things spawning behind you or in front of you, turning around and things aren't there anymore. Yeah, I do have the problem of sometimes if I run too fast. Um, the game doesn't load all the polygons, so I get like a real rough shape and coloration, yeah. and then I stand next to them, and then they kind of blink into detail. They leave it for interpretation. But I mean, I just imagine my characters on drugs, and it's like that person doesn't matter until you need to stop to talk to them. They're just a person-shaped person. You're it doesn't matter. On acid and running through the city with fucking guns. Yeah, with a samurai sword, bro. <laughs> that sounds like Seattle. It is. I literally saw that happening near the Krispy Kreme by my work. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But the Krispy Kreme by my work is where that naked man was standing on the sign. Ooh. Have you seen that? No. That was viral. I've seen somebody that I have no knowledge of that like lives in New York tweet a picture of it. And I was like, weird. Of a naked guy on a sign? Yeah, the naked guy on the Krispy Kreme sign. I'll show you. 
How viral could it be? I don't even know about it. You're also like barely on social media. Oh, got to keep up with Tyler and his cool hit trends of naked dude locations. Yeah, you got to know where they're at. This guy. No, I hadn't seen that, but that's dope. Great ass, by the way. Definitely a climber. You think? Look at that back. He does have a muscular back, to be fair. Yeah, he's the dude is jacked. I mean, he did have to climb up a relatively smooth <laughs> pole to get to where he was on the sign. Like there was no climbing apparatus, you know, there were yeah. no footholds or anything to get up there. I mean, he looks like a conqueror. I think we all wish we could feel like That's that. That's actually Alexander the Great reincarnated. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit, then he probably immediately died at 27. That yeah, the body of that man looked older than twenty seven for sure. Oh, did oh, meth strength, maybe. I wouldn't put it past somebody on Aurora, you know. <laughs> they just get into places. They're just good at it. There was a guy in the lobby of my work yesterday that couldn't find his ID in his wallet, and so he started screaming and like smacking the counter. Oh, that's terrifying. And not necessary. It's fine for me because we have the plexi, the thick plexiglass and the security door that people can't just go through, which is great. But then he was with a handicapped woman that was going to just buy all his shit for him. And I was going to be polite and like let him just tell her real quick right there what he wanted and sit down in the lobby and wait. But instead, what he did was he acted like he was going to hold the door open for her to get through easier. And he just stood in the doorway yelling to her what he wanted. Granted, they're the only two customers in the store. <clears throat> But it, you can't do that when you don't have your ID. You're, you're not supposed to be in the, the weed area of yeah, the store. And so I was like, sir, I'm, you got to go out in the lobby. And he's like, I'm just telling her. Well, you, if, I, if that was the case, I'd just let you in. You know, if, if I could do that, <laughs> I would just fucking let you in. You know, like what do you people not have any common sense? Like, and so he goes out in the lobby and he's just like fucking smacking the counter, screaming at the top of it. And he's screaming at her through the door to get him certain things. And I'm like, oh. I would just let you be in the store if I was going to let you do this. <laughs> Sir, do you have no common sense? Are you not with it at all? And he starts yelling at me. I was like, I'm trying to help you. And he's <laughs> like, no, you're not trying to help me. I was like, I'm very clearly trying to help you. I was like... I'm not now. I mean, I think I don't want to now, you know, like the fuck. Like, what are you doing, my guy? Now I have to forsake my kindness. But no, people don't stop and think about like why the rule is being implemented or that it's not just like yeah, or the, us being a hard ass. It's like, dude, just like follow the rules. <laughs> like you can't go in with the weed because you don't. So you get because you don't have your ID. Yeah. You cannot be with the weed and right. you accept this. So then that means you should not be able to see. And interact with someone who is also buying the weed. So you cannot stand at the fucking door. And it's like, if you accept that, then you also cannot yell through the door right. attempting to communicate with them. Yeah. Like. It doesn't make any sense. I don't understand. Well, people don't want to be uh, inconvenienced. Well, yeah. And it's also like that kid that, you know, tried to tried to steal but didn't. And then keeps trying to come back with the same fucking bullshit expired passport from 2015 that's a hole punched through it yesterday he, when he showed me the passport what he walked up to the window with the passport his whole hand was like over the information and he's trying to show me that to get in and i'm like bro 
if you thought <laughs> that what you were handing me was a good piece of ID, you wouldn't be trying to hide the information on it from me. That's just common sense. You can't get one over on me like that. You know what I'm saying? Like, who do you think I am? I've been in this business for too long. You know, you fucking child. Like, come on. And then Tony Soprano. And then, yeah. And then he's trying to tell people in the fucking lobby to buy him weed. And I'm like, you can't do that in here. And he's like, I'm just trying to. And I'm like, get the fuck. Go out and have one of your friends buy it for you. Like, I don't give a fuck. I had to have people do that shit when I was in in high school. But I didn't One the cashier of the store. Didn't know that my friend was buying me alcohol. And I didn't do it right in the front of the the like the in the parking spaces. Of the small liquor stores. You know what I'm saying? Like, that doesn't make any sense. You don't do that shit. Like, that's illegal as fuck. Yeah. And and then he starts harassing customers in the parking lot, asking them to go get him weed. And it's like, bro, I'm trying to be lenient here. Like, I'm trying very hard. And, and I think it's honestly because he accused me of racial profiling, you know? Like, <laughs> I think I have, like, a reverse reaction to it No. What's weird? Would that be a reverse reaction, or would that be like PTSD. how stereotypes and stuff form is interactions like that building up and compounding? So then their first in, in uh, instinct is that you know. What do you mean? I'm I'm trying yeah. to figure out whose bias is being formed. Mine, mine or his? Yours. So you're saying like I, I have the bias of like oh if I confront somebody over something or tell them racism. not to well I don't I not reverse racism reverse no. like effect of like I don't think I don't think reverse, reverse effect of, I don't think reverse racism exists okay. I think racism is just racism regardless I, I hate the yeah, redefining of racism as as prejudice plus power I think that's a pathetic cop out in order to just try to blame colonialist white people for the existence of racism and i don't think that's the case because i think racism has existed and will continue to exist throughout the end of time and to say ignorantly that you can rid the world of it is a lie to yourself and to others you know you can't tell people not to have the wrong opinion it just doesn't work fair enough maybe the goal shouldn't be to yeah wipe it out but to combat because I feel like most people's problem isn't is the legislative, the well, like certainly the governmental yeah. aspect of it. Well, it certainly stems from the Civil Rights Act. And when I was watching that uh, Bill Maher clip yesterday, it actually had something to do with that in the sense that he was quoting somebody that said seg- uh, uh, desegregation wasn't for fixing the problem it was actually for just the continuation of the the system as it was but in a way that made it seem like they were trying to fix the problem and his point was that he disagreed with that but when i thought about it harder i very much agreed because it's not like the government said okay we have one group of people who has been historically um hateful towards another group of people just because that's the culture you know Mm -hmm. it's like um and another group who has been in this subordinate position, we're just going to reintegrate schools and tell them that they have to be, because that's right. That's the right thing, right? There was no re-education of white folks in, in suburban communities of like what their transgressions were, you know, there was nothing of the sort. They just threw black kids into the wolves, you know? And, and you see the effect of that as like grown white adults were picketing outside schools spitting on young black children for walking into the desegregated schools you know that they were told that they could go to now like good for you you get to live in this world what what 
You know, like, and they did absolutely nothing to provide the support for the African-American community, nor the education of the white community into why that was not a way that was uh, cohesive or conducive to uh, a proper developed society where people should exist. You know, we didn't, we didn't sit the people down and say it was always wrong to judge the content of people's character by the color of the, their skin and not the actions that they take in their life. You That's know? a very good point. Approach the problem from both sides. Yeah. We, instead of it just being of them not being treated equally and so throwing them in there and not changing a culture or explaining why any of those actions were incorrect. Because, yeah, you just kept a whole generation that kept that hate and passes that hate down. Like, doesn't change. is right. still resentful and, it's and angry at those so actions. so long because it's just the uh, the and it's not a real community building when it is the sense of the only reason why in a, in the United States today for the most part especially in southern states why white people and black people live alongside one another is because they have to you know it's not because there was ever any um understanding of the white community of that transgressions and so they welcomed these people into their you know to the world and 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 even then tried to learn further about their culture and sit down and deal with the 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 humility that is having people tell you like my life has been terrible like no yeah cult i feel like communities accept members when there's been that kind of like rite of passage or there's been some kind of shared experience and there was no like rite of passage that uh, should have happened like with both, like they, you know, white should have taken a step to be, you know, into black culture and, but like preserve it, not like. Not gentrify you know, it. Yeah, exactly. But just be like, oh, and like be more accepted into the, into that culture because you've gone through something similar yeah. and let them go through another. So there is a shared experience. And instead there wasn't a lot of those shared experiences, even though they were placed together, you know? Yeah, it was very much they were in the same um, same area, but having very opposite experiences, you know, like the, the the region in which they were located was the same. They could be in the same school. They could be in the same restaurant. They could be in the same bathroom or I mean, in the same, you know, uh, uh, not bathroom. No bathrooms were segregated. That's what I'm saying. They, I yeah. said they could be in the same bathroom. Oh, yeah. Um, but they would be in the same, you know. But they'd have different, they could be in the same restaurant, but they'd be forced to use different bathrooms sometimes, you know, like, or they couldn't even use the same restaurant or whatever, you know, that's not desegregation, you know, that's just like, I don't know what point I'm trying to make, I'm a little high. No, so. I don't. Oh, even that we desegregated, it was still, you know, a culture of welcomeness, uh, not welcome, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um. All right. Let's get into some lighter topics uh shaman king anime released on netflix uh on the 9th i believe or the 10th of august uh, all 13 episodes are available for streaming what do you think uh just started it with you and i've been really enjoying it yeah i got like two and a half episodes in. what are we oh we're about the same spot that i was at yeah i think we're pretty much caught up uh yeah i really like it a lot it's following the manga pretty faithfully so i have not read it but i am currently in the process of reading it so that's only why i know it seems pretty like a pretty one-to-one -one adaption that like most 
anime are, I feel like. Which is weird that uh, it seems like... Uh, yeah, like even Demon Slayer was like a one-to-one adaptation of the manga. It didn't go off on like random tangents or anything like that. Is that a more recent thing for the uh, like manga anime community? Because I don't know, but like I just think back like... No, I don't um, think so. Well, like Akira had a different ending, I know, and... Bleach was um, pretty similar, at least in like the first season, but there were filler episodes for sure. Yeah, I think Tokyo Ghoul's a little different. I've never read Tokyo Ghoul. So. I'm sure there are li- little differences, I think. But, but de- as far as watching it, it seemed pretty straightforward. And, and same with this so far. Other than the, the intro seemed different, I think. The whole two-spirit things thing that it goes into, it doesn't explain the other like the other half of yo like the main character um at the beginning of the manga it just goes into like it starts in the cemetery where he meets whatever this little fuck's name is yeah but i feel like a lot with uh like writing things you just get a lot more time to contextualize those compared to uh shows you have to speed up or and just like how fast you can do exposition in manga super cool like especially like as a film student like thinking about an episode and you know it's gonna take like a quarter of the episode to like explain or like set up you know compared to like two pages in a manga yeah is uh cool to think about just how you're communicating that story to the viewer how quick that can be. Yeah. Yeah. It is wild to be like three, three volumes into a manga, but also be like, like the demon slayer season one, which is 26 episodes. I believe, uh, is eight volumes of the manga. Um, I'm only up to volume five and he's fighting the spider people yeah yeah so that goes on for like that fight is a a couple volumes that fights a couple oh that okay like the fight where he fights the spider guy and like where that one fight yeah where he fights the the main guy yeah yeah Yeah. that's a couple volumes it's at least one wow yeah the fight's the yeah, the the fashion district fight, which is the next story arc after that, takes three volumes. Or no, no, Mungan Train is after that, and that takes two, like two or three volumes for like the fight. That makes sense. Yeah, and uh, um, and then there's the setup and everything, and then oh, okay, so actually I was wrong because I forgot that Mungan Train happened in between the fashion district and uh, the first season. So the first season is twenty six episodes. It's actually only like. Yeah, five volumes of the maybe six volumes of the manga, and then six, seven, eight, nine are like um, leading into the fashion district, and those are the the Mungan Train like fight arc or whatever. But like, it's wild how like few volumes it is for like one season of a show. Oh uh, yeah. Get into a little bit of the news here. This is not so bright news, I guess. I was gonna we were gonna go positively, but we'll talk about uh, Fulbright Studios. Fulbright actually the reason um, I moved to. Washington out of any state that exists in the United in the continental United States only because they released a game called Tacoma about um, kind of walking around in abandoned 
uh, are kind of like, yeah, an abandoned spaceship and trying to figure out what happened. Um, <clears throat> and I remembered the uh, director of the game, Steve Gaynor, the guy who is currently leaving the studio. Uh, he was talking about why they named it Tacoma and talking about, you know, the city or whatever. And I uh, looked up a picture of the city and in the background of the, I just looked up Tacoma, Washington, because um, I knew it was a city. And in the background was a picture of Mount Rainier and the city you, with that as a backdrop and kind of like a sunset. And I was like, oh, fuck. Okay. So I, then I just moved the next day. <laughs> wow. That's yeah. insane. Yeah, that was the, but that just him mentioning the name and that it was a city made me look it up when I was like, where should I move to? And then... You I, did. I moved to Tacoma. Yeah, because I was like, oh, that's beautiful. That works. <laughs> Didn't look up anything about Tacoma. And I would wake up in the morning and I'd go work my day labor at five o'clock in the morning with all the homeless people who yeah. were just working to get money for drugs for the most part. I mean, I'm sure there was other people there in my situation, like similar situations to me or whatever, or even better situations that were just like using that to get work and get yeah, paid daily. Buying but drugs. Probably. I mean, I was <laughs> using it to buy weed. Every day, pretty much, for the most part, you know, and pay my rent, you know. Like, uh, yeah. That's what I do now with my real job. Like, I don't fucking, <laughs> nothing's <hasn't>. changed except <laughs> I, I, it takes longer for me to get paid now. And I don't have to show to work, show up to work at five o'clock in the morning just to hope to get a job. That's pretty nice. <laughs> yeah, I guess. And I get a 50% discount on the weed, so that's nice. Um, But anyways, Steve Gaynor apologizes for his hurtful leadership style after having stepped back as the lead of the new game that hit studio Fulbright is developing called open roads. Um, this is an article on game gamesindustry.biz. Uh, I'm just going to read it for pretty much verbatim. Uh, Steve Gaynor, co-founder of gone home developer Fulbright is no longer the lead on the studio's next title open roads following complaints about his leadership and treatment of women, but remains as a writer. Gaynor actually stepped down from his role back in March. He still works on the upcoming narrative game, but with no day-to-day -day interaction with the team. Instead, the title's publisher, Annapurna Interactive, is acting as a mediator between Gaynor and the studio. The decision follows a series of ongoing complaints against Gaynor and his behavior, which Polygon reports has led to the departure of 15 employees since work on open roads started in 2019, 10 of which are, were women. Many who left told the site that Gaynor's behavior towards employees, especially women, was a key factor in their decision to leave. The co-founder has been described as a controlling and demeaning presence, breaking down women at the studio with various microaggressions. Examples include women in leadership positions claiming that they had to get even the smallest details approved by Gaynor, who they said constantly micromanaged their work. He is also said to have disparaged and discredited the contributions of women on the team, laughing at other people's opinions and embarrassing staff in front of the other pe in front of other people. He would assert control over open roads, declaring it to be his game, not the team's. It is specified in the report that former employees say they did not witness or experience explicit sexism or sexual harassment, nor have they or, nor have any claims of physical misconduct been made against Gaynor. With no dedicated HR team other than the occasional third-party consultant, some tried to discuss Gaynor's behavior with him directly. One former employee claimed that she noticed uh, parallels between him and Scavenger Studios' Simon Davero, 
following a gamesindustry.biz report on the latter's misconduct. Again, no claims of sexual harassment have been made against Gaynor. A studio representative told Polygon that Annapurna Interactive is aware of the situation at Fulbright and has been instrumental in helping the Open Roads team make changes to its structure. Gaynor has since made a statement on Twitter confirming his change in role earlier this year and apologizing for his behavior. Quote, my leadership style was hurtful to people that I worked at, that worked at Fulbright, and for that I truly apologize, he wrote. Stepping back has given me space and perspective to see how my role needs to change and how I need to learn and improve as part of a team, including working with an expert management consultant and rethinking my relationship to the work at Fulbright. I care deeply about Open Roads and the Fulbright team. I'm sad to have stepped back from day-to-day development of Open Roads, but it's been the right thing to do. The Open Roads team has my full faith and support as they bring the game to completion. I I thought this was weird that it focuses so much on... It throws that it's women in there so much, but then also has the little asterisk at the end of... Well, no claims of like sexism or sexual harassment. It's like, well, if you're claiming that he targeted women, that's sexism. And then at the end, you're saying he's not sexist or they don't say he's they don't think he's sexist. No, they don't say they just say there have been no claims of sexual harassment. No, they say no claims of sexual sexism or sexual misconduct. It is specified in the report that former employees say they did not witness or experience explicit sexism or sexual harassment, nor have any claims of physical misconduct been made against Gaynor. Yeah, so explicit. But it's but, like if 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 these women are saying that he has microaggressions towards them specifically, if he's targeting them specifically, isn't that blatant sexism? But then they're also going back on that and saying that there is no blatant sexism. So maybe he's just a bad leader. You know, and maybe maybe all his actions with because, the best intent, and and well, and then also in like stereotypical culture, men are just more expected to deal with shit, and so they just take shit, you know, because they're told from the time that they're children to just take shit. You know what I'm saying? Like at at a job, you know what I'm. That's true. Like I, also- I made a comment to my coworker the other day about how. We work in customer service. It's kind of our job to deal with shitty people all the time. You know, like that's just kind of what we do as a customer. And they were like, we don't, that's, we don't do that. No, that's not our job. I'm going to have to argue with you about that. And I was like, all right, fair enough. But I was just, you know, I don't know. This just seems like the job to me because you don't get to tell people that they can't come in to like, they can't, like they can't say things to you after they've already been said. So how are you going to handle that? That's your job as a customer service associate. You know what I'm saying? Very true. I mean, taking the actions with like the best intent and it could just be a, you know, culture of just like, you know, working hard and like more of that, like locker room, like aggressive is fine. But we also don't know, the specificity of it, you know, it could be like, even without his own intent, the pun of the jokes is women all that whenever it can be, it is. And like, that could be a problem, whether he notices it or not, you know, but wouldn't that or be intentful, but it doesn't mean to be blatant sexism. It doesn't have to be intent to be blatant. No. Well, what do you consider blatant? Just any sex? So anything that can be seen Constant, is blatant. Like behavior towards women specifically that requires 10 women compared to five men to leave. If you're going to claim that that is like the disparity and the reason for the disparity is that they are women. You know what I'm saying? No. 
So like, you're saying in the article it says 15 employees left, right? Okay. 10 of which they they make sure to say were women. So five male five male employees leave, 10 female employees leave, right? And they're saying that he specifically the women are saying that he made them feel targeted with microaggressions and whatever. But also it goes on to say that they also don't claim the any they never witnessed any blatant sexism. I think when they're using that language they're using it more with the intent of he's not sexually harassing them so it's not of a sexual nature, but I don't think it needs to be of a sexual nature to mean you're demeaning a class. I would agree with you if they didn't say sexism and sexual harassment. You know, they make sure to talk about both things. They say both. You know, they use both words, you know? I would think sexism could mean just inherently, se- you know, sexual harassment or, or, or Could they or have just based. fucked up? Um, I, I don't like, know, because it that. seems intentful to put that in there, you know? I don't... It seems like they're trying to make a narrative because it's salacious, but also, like, they, it's, it's, it's not a... You can't write an article of, oh, this guy just kind of isn't a good leader. Or you can, but it's not going to be as interesting or get as many clicks or as many eyes as if you say, oh, th- this guy... Women left this guy's studio because he made them uncomfortable. Although five men also left, maybe because he was just a shitty leader and didn't know how to manage and was just too controlling over the thing, a little OCD. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, but like that doesn't make any of his actions right. I didn't and say then, I didn't say that, but I, I'm just talking merely about the framing of the article. I, I if he's a bad leader, he should not be in a leadership position. And people all the time, just because they've been at a place for a long time, often just get promoted into positions that they shouldn't be in. I think that was a point that was made on um, Sacred Symbols. I was listening to either earlier this week or last week. They said that, and I and I agree, but I don't think that you know putting the Pointing the lens and being like he's spe- you know specifically makes women uncomfortable when they're like there's no blatant sexism or sexual harassment. But couldn't his environment of harassing women make men uncomfortable? Like if he is, well, certainly if 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 an, if a if I had a boss, so then men also feeling uncomfortable with that action, even though not specific actions against them, meaning he's still taking sexist actions. The actions are still being done. Against a class which you were defining with sex, but the point but again other is that they men say also they didn't left. see any sexism. Even the people that see, are I think you're getting caught leaving. up on that, and you should be looking at the actions. You're trying to justify by being like, "Well, but, they said sexism." Well, the and actions men were also I, affected. I, no, but I think the actions are important. I think the actions are the important thing, and not focusing on this uh, bullshit. Uh, well, we don't know politics. if it's bullshit. Well, it seems like it because they go on. They make sure to say that they. Well, see, we, see, you're they saying it's sure only not that because the article well, because if has you, said that. If you go sh- go through to ask your sources that you did, like the who are, they do, you know, source. They don't name by name, but they do source. You know, some of the ten women who left, um, and suppose you you would assume because that's you know the context of the article implies this that they asked them as well as other employees currently at Fulbright if they had witnessed any sexism or and if so they're if they're directly asking the people who left that they're implying left due to being explicitly targeted if there was any sexism and they say no then why are you using the article to imply through an angle that this man was a sexist attacking these people he could just be 
shit at managing emotions or managing time or managing whatever. For sure. But we also don't know the that question and then how the journalist chose to wrote it. I mean, you said yourself, the journalist is the one putting in the word sexism, which you're getting like caught up on. No, the journalist asked people. I We don't they, know what question, though, because it could have been, were you sexually harassed? Were you touched? Or because they even go on to say physically done that. Both. So if they say we so ask both, if can they you, witness sexism What's sexism, sexual, sexual harassment, and physical harassment? Like, can you define all three of those as yeah. separate things? Touching somebody in a physical manner, like touching somebody's shoulders, that's physical harassment. Okay. Pushing past somebody and pushing your hand on the back and they tell you not to do that and you continue to do that anyways, that's physical harassment. Okay. A, a woman at work making a comment about her ass, that's sexual harassment. Slapping her ass, that's both physical and sexual harassment. Okay. Targeting women based on the fact that they're just women, like making them have to come... Like, if he only made women run things by him, like, but let the male employees do stuff, that's sexual, that's, or that's, that's sexism. If okay. he uh, made women have shorter deadlines so he could then have longer time to go over their work versus his male employees, that's sexism. There are, there are obvious things that are, and if they say there is no sex, like, we didn't witness this, we didn't witness sexual harassment either. I, 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 I think the article could, should be he's a bad leader. He left his position. Now they have some, you know, temporary person in charge. But I don't think barring any other evidence that they don't put in the article and don't have framing it in the way that they are. I don't think that that's helpful to any, you know, feminist me to any movement whatsoever. You know, it seems to be only for their clicks. And that's only my that's my only point. Like, if they asked me if I saw that at a studio that I worked at, they were like, did you see sexism or sexual harassment? That's the angle that I'm going to be looking at and thinking, hmm. So I guess it is dependent on who they're asking, how they define exactly. those things. But it's also like, if you're ask if they ask the people that left, I don't know. I think that if they say that they didn't feel that, you know, or witness that, then the article is somewhat shameful. And if it comes out later on that they're like, no, he fucking, you know, he grabbed me by the pussy. Then it's like, okay, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like that's a, the man mm -hmm. was a sexist or a sexual harasser. Should not be, he abused his position of power, you know, for demonstrable purposes, you know, I don't know. We were talking about suicide squad having a, um bad opening box office and so now uh, a news story that i thought was interesting uh was wb's 2022 movies won't be on hbo max day one um they've announced a new 45 theater 45 day theater deal with amc apparently they also have some with um cineworld and regal for similar um theatrical windows what do you what do you think about this in response to you know what we've seen with you know, recent releases like Space Jam. And even though Suicide Squad is the highest grossing R-rated film to release during the pandemic, it is still, in all traditional measures of box office, you know, failure. Um, I think it's good. I mean, it's definitely just a crutch for the um, theater market and theater experience because uh, a lot of people who are going to go see that movie, you know, can now stream it and that excess cost is a lot harder for people and the people that would go see it in theaters. Cause like we both streamed it and we probably would have gone and seen it in theaters if, if it had not would, been streaming. 
if that was my only option, yeah, I would have definitely yeah. went and saw it in the theater. So, well, would you have waited 45 days for Suicide Squad? Not, I mean, I guess now you know the quality of it, but... Um, the thing I, I, if it was like, I know Suicide Squad will be free in 45 days on HBO Max versus, honestly, I don't think I could. <laughs> no, I'm trying to like think that I could, but I don't think I could just because I like the subject or I like the... I think they picked a, a, a good time length because I guess you can get your, um subscription started whenever but 45 days you can't like start it up when the movie releases and then get it on a free trial you have to wait oh i see well you can still get it when yeah. the movie releases on hbo what do oh, you mean yeah. i just meant never mind not a good point fair enough yeah i uh but i, I think know. the theater experience is something we should try to safe and uh the problem i have better value it the movies being on hbo max has encouraged me to watch more movies that come out you know i like going to the movie theater don't get me wrong and i used to go to the like i i never really had too many friends that would love to just like go to the movies like after we were out of like middle school or whatever but i i always enjoyed going to see movies like i went and saw um the revenant you know, in the theater by myself, I went and saw Hateful Eight and shit like that. Like, I just would go see movies all the time. And so I do miss being able to do that. But there are movies that just are smaller, like like The Conjuring. I watched the whole Conjuring series just because the new one was on HBO and it was entertaining. It was an entertaining movie. The new one was not entertaining, but the first one was entertaining. Yeah, and the second one was entertaining. But I would not have watched them. If I if they didn't release the new one on HBO Max and I was like, oh, I want to know what the fuck is happening. Streaming is very good uh, for access to people and movies. Similar argument between, um, I think, Game Pass and, you know, and movies releasing day one on HBO um, in the similar way that it kind of harms. Not in the theater experience necessarily, but the industry somewhat itself. In a way, it changes the industry. I don't think it harms. Maybe harm I think things are financed word. a little differently that I think make it hard with that exact comparison. But sure, I just think making movies for that experience, like that big screen, the sound around you, like that's something um, you know everyone can't get at home, and there are just. A, movies that are meant for that and have more impact because of it and i think if we go more towards streaming we're not going to make content that is big in those ways we're going to make content that's more entertaining for streaming yeah i don't i don't disagree though i do think it is something of note that you know the technology to be able to have even like a 60 inch tv you can get a 60 inch or like a 50 inch tv for I saw one for like 175 bucks. Granted, it's not theater screen quality. You know what I'm saying? Oh, no. Yeah. But get that shit, put it up on the wall. You get a fucking cheap sound bar. You get a little couple bookshelf speakers behind you. You know, you turn that subwoofer over up. You know, you get a good experience. Oh, that, it will be great. It will be a lot better than, you know, watching it on a standard TV. A CRT. And it's not, you know, <laughs> to take away. Both are just very separate things. But I think with the pandemic and with access to movies unless you give people an incentive to go there, they're just not. And 
Well, I mean, yeah, you look at really the only thing barring people from doing this before was the effort of having to torrent the movie, right? Oh, like, yeah. If if it would be if it if torrenting was as easy as just like click play, people would more people would be doing that shit, you know, for oh yeah since the beginning of time. But because it's such a fucking effortful, you know, endeavor to do, at least for the average layman, you know what I'm saying? Like for someone who's somewhat technologically savvy, it's no, not, yeah, not and the terrible, desire, but. right? Like it's the fact that we can go onto these sites and scroll through massive amounts of choice and then randomly pick something and go even with torrenting you had to know what you were going to watch yeah go find it click through all the fucking links yeah to make sure you find the right one yeah uh different intent and uh experience from that but uh i don't know if it'll have as big of an impact as uh, they hope cuz i think just people aren't as excited about movies and the kind of movies they're making I don't think are going to excite people enough to go to the theater within that 45 days, other than people that were already going to go. What's funny is uh, if, if like Dune wasn't releasing on HBO max, I would go see that in theater. Uh, no, we still got, we got to see it in theaters. All right. Fair enough. IMAX. There's no way Dune is good at home. I'm sorry. You got a kick-ass TV. You got a great soundbar. No way Dune. It would be better. It's good. Better in like an IMAX for sure. Yeah. I do love an IMAX. Like, oh, it's great. Um, Sony buys Crunchyroll for one point one seven five billion dollars. What uh, did they overpay? You think so? Anime and manga is bigger than it's ever been. Yeah, but Crunchyroll, like the service, I feel like wasn't doing as well. Like it was. You don't on think the, so? On the out, yeah. Doesn't it have like the? No, they just reached like 10 mil or something like that. Yeah, but that's like the highest amount of subscribers it's ever had, isn't it? Yeah. And it's just like anime is on like a lot of other things. It's true. The and then the reach split of between Crunchy. Because, has... well, like HBO Max, because didn't Warner, Warner Brothers, Brothers own Crunchyroll? I yeah. Believe. And so I thought when they did HBO Max, that was going to be just their anime thing and i think it would have gone better i didn't get why they be kept as like two separate services yeah it didn't make sense they should just but they also had the crunchy roll tab on hbo that's true it doesn't make any sense although to be fair whoever uh designed the hbo max app should be go should be in jail oh yeah they did a horror a horrible oh, job God. i mean it's my favorite streaming app in the sense that it just has the best shit on it but it's just fucking horrendous horrendous and the amazon the prime video app oh you don't like it i never use it so i don't the worst i only use it for invincible and the boys yeah that's pretty much all i used it for boys great show love that show and valley uprising valley uprising oh fuck you man (laughs) yeah Yeah. you watched it like a billion times i fucking had to it's good though is that is that the one about the dirt bags yeah Oh, I want to kill myself because I know that. I hope you. I hope you're happy. But you use dirt bags so endearingly now. I love it. I just want to fuck the fucking rock climbing movies. I have PTSD from that bullshit <laughs> all the time. I always, I I did like it when Taylor would put on Dragon Ball. That Dude, those were the glory days. We watched all of Dragon Ball. Got high as balls after work. Yeah, chiefed it. Yeah, we smoked a lot of weed after work. 
chairman and CEO of Sony Pictures Entertainment said the buyout adds tremendous value to Sony's existime, existime? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Existime. Existing anime business, reiterating that the company wants to create the ultimate anime experience. With the addition of Crunchyroll, we have an unprecedented opportunity to serve anime fans like never before and deliver the anime experience across any platform they choose, from theatrical events, home entertainment, Games, streaming, linear TV, everywhere and every way fans want to experience their anime. Where is my augmented reality waifu? That's how I want to experience my anime. Where is it, Crunchyroll? That that already exists. I don't know what you're talking about. Where? Not here. Yeah, you don't have a good enough PC. You have to join the PC master race. Oh, AR. No, not VR. AR. My bad. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure there's an AR. here. I want that shit Blade Runner 2040 whatever. I, I just want them to make a deal with Amazon well, so Alexa's voice can be my favorite waifu. What was the Blade Runner year? 2040 20, 2042. Blade Runner 2042. That sounds Was it? That's what 2044? No, see now I'm thinking of the Battlefield number. Battlefield 2040. Why why is it 20 why why 2040? Cuz it's the perfect mid future. 2049. That sounds that sounds wrong though. Even though it's right. (laughs) 2049? I don't know. I haven't seen the new one yet. Denis Villeneuve? No. No? You haven't seen it. How do you know? What? Denis. What I don't know what you're saying. Denis. No. I don't know. (laughs) The director of the movie. The guy that directed Sicario, directed Blade Runner 2049, is directing Dune. Yeah. And David, I'm pretty sure. Uh, David Attenborough does the. <laughs> no. Uh, Roger Deakins. Yeah, I know you were talking about, but he also does look like David Attenborough. I hate that I fuck up and you know my fuck up. <laughs> well, I mean, to be fair, I knew you were going to talk about the cinematographer next. Well, Roger because Roger Deakins important. is amazing. Well, especially him. Yeah, he's important. But then also you said, fuck it. Did you hear how big that dude's dick was? It was massive. I only heard how loose his butthole was because that fart came out fast. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, what David Attenborough? That's who we're talking about. I'm surprised he's not dead. Oh, those British people live forever. Look at Ozzy Osbourne. Look at the Rolling Stones. All the American musicians dead. Twenty seven. Yeah. British people still kicking it. Yeah, nobody's done more drugs than Keith Richards, and he's somehow still here. That's because I'm pretty sure every time you take a hit of heroin, he gains a year of life. <laughs> <laughs> that's the that's the contract he signed with the devil. That's a really good deal. No, because you live forever. Because people are just doing a lot of heroin. Yeah, but not an infinite amount. Every three seconds, somebody dies from a heroin overdose. <laughs> you made that up. Yeah. That's you, uh, animals. You can uh, donate today. Just 10 cents will feed a heroin addict for a week. Jason Momoa's in another movie. Are you going to finish the Crunchyroll article? You can save a homeless crack addict for just a dime a day. In the eyes of <laughs> you have to admit that was good. No. 
That was excellent. You should never sing ever again. That was purposefully bad. <laughs> but not in the bad the way you thought it was bad. In the <laughs> now you're going extra bad so you can cover up that you were trying to sing. I was not, not trying really to sing. sing. You want to hear me trying to sing? Yeah, look at you. you can't. You're too scared. What a little bitch. I, uh, you sing. What a little bitch. You boy. sing. Sing, no, sing you little fucking bitch. You couldn't call me a bitch. To sing. I was trying to fake. Doodle up. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> Yo, you're fucking. Look at my scat. Skitty scat, scat, scoot. I, I'm seeing your scat all over my fucking floor. Learn how to use the toilet. All right. <laughs> yeah, it made me laugh so hard. <laughs> I teared up a little bit. All right. <laughs> Shit happens, okay? We roll with the punches. We're doing it live. JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Stone Ocean anime oh, debuts. Are we its done first with the Funimation? Because I wanted to talk about my concerns. Because I have a Funimation subscription. What are your fucking concerns? Well, I don't know if they're going to merge or not. Did they? Does Sony own Funimation? Yes. So you would assume. That well, I don't they know if they're going to make a third. Which one has a higher subscriber base? I think Crunchyroll, but do you think Funimation has the name recognition? Or do you think that's more of a generational thing? Because, like, Funimation was, like, my Cartoon Network, you know, anime. Dude. I guess the problem is Funimation. <laughs> Jinx, what's your deal, man? The thing is, Dude, uh, Funim- you- Funimation is, like, the like a viz media of, like, anime, right? Whereas yeah. Crunchyroll has like is like what og netflix was for anime right where it has it pulls in a bunch of different yeah. anime from everywhere it being a separate and so I, I don't know i think it would probably be more sense to fold in funimation to crunchyroll but i also think that it doesn't matter i don't think they'll i think they'll just leave it how it is and if you want to subscribe to either or they'll gladly take your money i was like yeah do you think they'll carry over or do you think i'm gonna have to do work oh like if you if they folded funimation into crunchyroll yeah that would be annoying to have to. I see. That's why I think they would just leave it how it is and just try to rack in those profits as much as they can. Because you have to imagine that if you folded Funimation into Crunchyroll, you would lose probably. I don't know. I want to be bold and say thirty three percent of those subscribers that just literally forgot that they even have a fucking subscription. You know what I'm saying? That's true. But if they just carried it over, but also now that I know you own both, I'd be really. I guess there probably are some contracts for like royalties for like how long you can play mm-hmm. each on each but why would they not optimize by trying to make like a single place for anime yeah i don't know that like you said that's what i thought the hbo app was gonna be you know yeah with their because they had ghibli they had Crunchyroll. i thought they were gonna be like oh. Well, I guess at the bottom of the article, well, the goal for Sony seems to be to create a unified subscription experience. It remains to be seen how Crunchyroll's acquisition impacts Funimation. Man, it'd be cool if we read our own stories. Um, With Sony now owning the two networks, though, competition amongst streaming services for where to watch anime is slowly dwindling. It's possible that Crunchyroll could either be linked alongside Funimation or be folded with the business, making its offerings all Funimation all the time. Oh, so they would go all Funimation all the time. Man, they're going to cut so many. Well, that would just be, side. yeah, the pro, the, I mean, to unilater, unilize, make your, make your profit vertical. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Um, cause then you don't you have to pay licensing fees. Um, no, so I don't think that's true because, like, man, Netflix has their anime 
you know, Hulu has anime. Like yeah, Disney's everywhere. Disney's going to make their own anime. Yeah, it's the biggest. It's making so much yeah, Disney's money. making Star Wars anime. I saw that. I have mixed feelings. Well, my favorite Star Wars thing ever was essentially anime. The Clone Wars? Yeah. I think, honestly, after the uh, original trilogy, the uh, the Star Wars universe does best kind of just like playing around in it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And just having fun being Star Wars than trying to be another space opera because you're just not going to be. Yeah, it just has fun playing with the nostalgia that is Star Wars. You know, have fucking people fighting well, it's with like lightsabers and It's like you made a giant universe. Tools. Yeah, like with flying ships and infinite aliens and all this stuff we don't know about. And you're just it's focusing like, around the same story. It's like you focus around these one old religious people. Like, no, dude. Yeah, and it's like, also show me the Jedi who like, founded the Jedi but like left you know like like are now like somewhere else and then who probably like trained other people to be Jedi but also like aren't Jedi you know what I'm saying like but also can like make lightsabers or something like a lightsaber or fight with a some you know like fucking just do something cool create new shit it's not a fixed universe exactly which the whole reason Star Wars blew up was because of merchandising them making toys that hadn't even been in the movies yet and yeah. selling it and it's like what happened to all that creativity mm-hmm. yeah and it's it's just with the more corporatization of everything there everything's focused into profits versus you know actually expanding which is wild because at some point this is going to hit a ceiling and it's going to start to dwindle whereas if there was infinite creativity in, involved in the process you'd, you'd imagine there'd be no ceiling potentially you know it could just go on forever but if you just keep trying to fucking mine the same thing over and over again, people are going to get sick of it. You already see that with Star Wars. People don't want more of it. They got they gave, they gave us three mainline movies and people are already like, no, <laughs> I'm done. I'm sick. After not giving us Star Wars in any period since like 2006, I think, was when Revenge of the Sith came out. I can't remember. But yeah, it was early 2000s for sure. May 19th, 2005. Yeah, so fucking old, like a long time, <laughs> you know, and uh, people are already fucking done. They're like, we don't want, you ruined it for us, which to be fair is a bit hyperbolic. They're a bit of pansies and it's kind of annoying, but teach their own, I guess. Well, I think, do you think they fell into the trap of they tried to be the Star Wars movies and... If they had just been in the Star Wars universe, we loved loved it more. But instead, you set it up to be like the original. You know, you set it up to be compared to that. And so that was the expectation people had going into it. You're and saying they tried to make Star Wars movies instead of making movies that just simply existed in the universe. Exactly. They tried to do the yeah. big space opera. But the thing that made... But they made it a dystopia, you know? They made it, like, really sad, which reflects our times, which is really depressing. But Star Wars was great because it's a new hope. It was hopeful. It was a space opera. There's big emotions. But, you know, the John Williams soundtrack comes behind you. You fly into, you know, Han comes back. It's like... Yeah. That's the whole point. And they tried to do that, but not that. And I think that's why people went in trying to compare it to... Yeah, they really set themselves up for that it comparison. Was like, you gave us the same story, and you didn't even make it more interesting. 
because the thing everyone loved was their world building. Like, you know, they showed us these great cool shots. They introduced, you know, cool looking, you know, aliens and ships and just like how the universe like operated and that people loved. And then it was like, but I had to listen through this stupid story, this unentertaining experience, you know? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I just, I don't even remember, like, I don't even remember what happened in episode eight. You know what I'm saying? Like, I do to a certain extent. They were, I remember the casino planet just because of how awful it was. Um, like, Justin Thoreau's fucking character on there or whatever, and like some bullshit, but like, it was just so unremarkable. It didn't push any envelopes. It didn't set any new standards. It just was formulaic. It was boring. And I, I feel like you could tell by the enthusiasm or lack thereof of the fucking main three actors by the end of the series. By they were like, this is not what we thought we signed up for. We wanted to do something fucking awesome. And this was just so cookie cutter and Disney. You know, it was terrible. Yeah. I can, they did. They trimmed off the cool stuff. Yeah. Anything that made. I mean. We didn't see any like real like slavers or fucking dirty grit, like grittiness of the world. You know, there were no fucking job of the hut like characters. There were no fucking, you know, Greedo like characters, you know. Yeah, but they still implied a dark world like they didn't even try to be family friendly, but also tried to be family friendly at the same time. You know what I mean? Well, they Disney fight it. Yeah. Yeah. Like there was no there was no moment of Luke being in the cantina and Obi-Wan cutting off the fucking guy's arm. There was no moment like that in the new series, the new trilogy. And it was missing something like that, you know? Like, you need something like that, I feel like. Yeah. But sets a tone. Um. All right, JoJo, new trailer. Have you watched it? Uh, No, not yet. Okay, good thing first we're time. recording together so we can watch it for the first time together. Oh, look at that. So I don't know what the fuck <laughs> just happened, but look interesting that pretty much sums up all of jojo <laughs> i don't know what the fuck just happened but i'm in it but it looked interesting yeah I'll, i'd watch it i uh, i'm obsessed with jojo character design though it's like the most absurd bizarre beautiful thing i've ever seen it is pretty absurd jojo's bizarre adventure stone ocean has debuted its first trailer as well as an official global release date december 2021 on netflix Set in a world where a small number of individuals can wield powerful beings with a wide array of abilities known as stands, Stone Ocean follows Jolene Cujo after she is sentenced to 15 years in a Florida prison after being involved in a car accident. I like how it takes place in the U.S. Uh, the daughter of Stardust Crusaders protagonist Jotaro Cujo, it's not long before she becomes mixed up in the final battle between the Joestar family and the legacy of their greatest nemesis, Dio Brando. Just like her father, Jolene also awakens her own stand, stone free, and gains the ability to unravel her body into string and other close range physical abilities similar to her father's stand, Star Platinum. Animation studio David Production confirmed that. Daisuke Ono will also replace his role as Jotaro, while the rest of the cast includes a bunch of names I cannot say. Jojo's Bizarre Adventure has been an anime fixture since the manga was adapted for television in 2012, starting with the first series that covered the Phantom Blood and Battle Tendency arcs. The anime series then adapted Stardust Crusaders in 2014 through 2015, Diamond is Unbreakable in 2016, and Golden Wind in 2018 and 2019. 
Beyond the upcoming Star Ocean anime series, there are still two major arcs of JoJo writer and illustrator Hiroko Araki, Araki Saga left to cover, Steel Ball Run and JoJo Lion. Um, you love JoJo. I am. I'm a big fan. Are you? In, do you know anything about these upcoming releases at all? Are you? I don't. I am not that uh, far in the manga yet. Fair enough. Yeah, I still have your. Copy. You have Stardust Crusaders. So the father in this one is the protagonist in that one, mm. and that's his stand. This guy. Yes. Fair Jojo. enough. Jojo. Jojo. They're all Jojo, aren't they? Yeah, they're all Jojos. Fair enough. Makes sense. Uh, <laughs> um. Yes. Yeah, looks, cool. looks cool. Looks whack, which is always cool. <laughs> yes. Um. Looks like a trip. Let's see. What's next? Um. Oh, there's a new South Park game in development. It's not one that I really have to read the article for. Um, developed by Matt Stone and Trey Parker at an internal South Park development studio. Um, that is their own studio. Uh, the studio itself has developed a few mobile games. I'm not, I don't remember what they're called. One was like South Park Pinball, I think. Um, have you played the Stick of Truth or the Fractured Butthole? I have not. You should. They're pretty fun. Fractured Butthole is um, not as good as the Stick of Truth, I don't think, in my opinion. Because, I don't know, they just... See, I don't know. Maybe play them both, but <laughs> I I like the the stick of truth quite a bit. Thought it was a fun game. It was developed by Obsidian, so it was um, more more of like a their style, I guess. But it was more two D in a way. It was like South Park style, you know. Yeah, but like, yeah, yeah. it was pretty good. Um, GTA Parent Company Take Two says it's working on three unannounced remasters. Uh, the publisher confirmed that in-development titles in an Indivestor presentation published this week, which lists three unannounced new iterations of previously released titles. These projects are listed alongside the upcoming PS5 and Xbox Series X slash X version of Grand Theft Auto V and Kerbal Space programs, as well as planned standalone version of Grand Theft Auto Online. Take-Two has openly discussed its intention to continue creating remasters of its past titles. In March, the company's CEO, uh, Strauss Zelnick, discussed its strategy in this area and suggested that it wasn't interested in releasing simple ports. Mafia Trilogy, a collection of remasters and a remake, was released in May 2020, and Rockstar is currently gearing up to bring a remastered version of Grand Theft Auto V to PS5 and Xbox Series. And Rockstar is currently gearing up to bring a remastered version of Grand Theft Auto V to PS5 and Xbox Series in the second half of calendar 2021. I don't know why I didn't say 2021. I said 2021. What the fuck? I don't know. Speaking during the Morgan Stanley Technology Media and Telecom Conference, Zelnick was asked how he felt about the remasters potentially becoming a bigger part of the company's strategy going forward. Quote, I'm not sure there'll be a bigger part of the strategy. Uh, he responded, quote, remastering has always been a part of the strategy we've done differently than the competition. We don't just port titles over. We actually take the time to do the very best job we can, making the title different for the new release, for the new technology that we're launching it on. So we improve the technology, we upgrade the visuals, and we make performance enhancements. And that's why I think our remastered titles typically do so well, end quote. During Take-Two's third quarter earnings call in February, Zelnick offered a non-committal response when asked about the potential for remastering 
during older Grand Theft Auto games. In a Q&A session, an analyst suggested that it was likely that a significant portion of GTA V players might never have played earlier games in the series. Given the huge appetite for Grand Theft Auto content, he asked for Take-Two's perspective on further remasters. Quote, It's great and encouraging question, Zelnick responded. I'm kind of inclined to leave it more as a statement than a question, and any update on our release schedule will come from Rockstar Games, end quote. Uh, what do you think about this? Are there any games in 2K, uh, 2K's repertoire that you'd like to see remade or remastered? Bully would be cool. That seems to be the one that I see most brought up. Um, I've never played the first one, so I, I, dis- I don't disagree. I think it would be cool. To- Just a franchise I feel like they haven't touched that people enjoyed i have mixed feelings though because i mean i guess they do a great job with it like i just played mafia definitive edition and that was my first time with mafia Mm -hmm. and they killed it with the remaster and buffing up it looked incredible and played great yeah and was a cool way to get to redo that where i wouldn't have been able to play that yeah felt like they didn't update the controls enough a little bit you did play it on pc so i feel like it was a little different did you play it with controller or play i did it? play it with controller because it was just so much did driving. you think it was as a uh, clunky a little bit clunkier than it should have been or were you pretty um it definitely felt like an older game yeah like mechanically wise for sure yeah. and just moving through the world yeah just with shooting running driving yeah definitely I felt, felt like an older updated game. that a little bit more but I don't know. Yeah, that's my kind of concern with it is like it's really cool to go back and remaster these games, but it's like people that just played GTA five and haven't played older GTAs, I think they're gonna think it's cool to go back and play San Andreas, but if it doesn't feel like GTA five like, Which they don't. Even like, GTA four doesn't play like GTA like, five. The driving in GTA four was horrendous. I couldn't even um I think people aren't going to want to, I mean, they might buy it, but I don't know if they're going to be as into it because it's not going to be the experience they want. They just want more GTA, GTA content for sure. But they've said they standard a GTA with 6. online and yeah, five. It's like how you play. That's in, it's hard to be. Yeah. I'm a little disappointed by this because it feels like that it'll, it'll just be taking development resources away from studios who could be developing new games you know and it's like you're never going to have new games to remaster in the future if you don't make any fucking new games now you know people are going to get sick of playing old games that they've already played to simply sip on the nostalgia of them you know i feel like and the only benefit that these games do have like they're saying is like there's a new generation that hasn't played them but it's like yeah they don't want old games if they wanted old games they'd buy a fucking playstation 2 and go back and play the old games you know what i'm saying but like they want new games you know (laughs) they want we have all this new technology i have it in 4k i don't want things to just look shiny i want things to feel and be better the next time i play the game and stepping back i had a struggle better playing ghost of tsushima a 2020 game release after playing the last of us 2 another 2020 game release because the last of us two's animations were so fluid and so cinematic the entire time that it was just a jarring switch to go to something that was so much more gamey than that and that's a the last or ghost of tsushima came out after the last of us two you know what i'm saying so going back and playing gta 3 after playing you know six thousand hours of gta 5 and 100 percenting that game 
you're not going to be like, oh my God, this is the greatest thing ever. I'm so happy to know where this game came from. You're going to be like, holy shit, this game sucks. I can't believe we got GTA 5 out of this versus being on the PS2 at the time and being like, holy shit, this game went from being an isometric top-down like driving game to now this is an open world third person, you know, shooter or whatever. Isn't the fuck. that insane? Yeah, like it's different perspectives. You're taking away versus giving more. Like, with yeah, the just think it went from actually being about just stealing cars and driving in this isometric game to a complex three-person story that you interweave narratives. You can beat up hookers. How I found out about hookers. I remember playing Vice City. GTA and I, was like, is, I think that's how every modern teenage boy finds out about Yeah, hookers. but I was like, oh, this lady got in my car. And I was like, why this bitch taking my money? And she started sucking your dick? No, I just killed her because I didn't get what <laughs> sex was. I was a child. There was no satisfaction there why would i simulate that i didn't know what a blowjob was i knew i wanted more money in that game Got i so did much forget money. that you didn't figure out what sex was until you were 19 <laughs> <laughs> you happened to be sick on all the fucking sex ed days you just <laughs> i got written out for uh religious reasons is that true no <laughs> <laughs> that would be hilarious wouldn't it I mean, I feel bad for those kids because they're going to grow up ignorant as fuck. But like, how terrifying is your like first experience going to be? <laughs> the thing looks like a fucking Sarlacc pit. What the <laughs> hell? <laughs> That's a goddamn thing that killed Boba Fett. It's wet. Is it supposed to be wet? Is it wet? I'm wet. Is I'm going to go wet? get some paper towel. I'll be right back. Xbox and Twitch are hosting a uh, second indie games showcase next week. The streaming event, which will take place on Twitch on Tuesday, August 10th, promises to... That's today. <laughs> I wonder... Uh... Did you catch our second ID at Xbox Twitch gaming event? If not, here's what you missed. Fresh indie games and new game trailers. Aeon Drive from Two Awesome Studios out on console and PC in fall 2021. Game demo is out now on Xbox One. Rush through the cyberpunk landscapes of Neo Barcelona and Aeon Drive, an action platformer with speedrunning twist. Whether solo or in up to four-player co-op, sprint and dash through many areas of neon-infused city and use your time and space-bending abilities to get ahead. How does that sound? That sounds pretty cool. Lab Rat, Chump Squad, console and PC 2022. Congratulations, you've been hired to test a brand new kind of game. Lab Rat is a satirical adventure starring a metrics-obsessed AI who will monitor, profile, and entertain you as you progress through over 100 satisfying and genre-bending puzzles. Need a laugh? Join the beta right now at labrat.study. How does that sound? <laughs> sounds cool. I'm bad at puzzles, though. I'm also bad at puzzles, and it also somewhat sounds like kind of like a portal knockoff in a way. Library of Ruina. Project Moon, Cloud and Console, available now. Launching today with Xbox Game Pass and Library of Ruina, you will witness to, you will be witness to the stories of Angela, the Sephirot, and Roland following the encoding of Lobotomy Corporation. What the fuck? Invite different guests to acquire various books and then utilize them accordingly. How you make use of your collection to grow the library is up to you. A good book will allow you to invite new guests with greater secrets. Amass a collection of books and explore the secrets of the city. What the fuck? I don't even know. Yeah, that didn't. All right. What? Sure. That's uh, really cool. Good job, guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That I mean, that write-up made a whole good hell game. of a lot of sense. Ali Ali World, private label console, winter 2021. Ali Ali World is a bold new skateboarding action platformer that is bursting with personality. Flip and flip and flow through the vivid and vibrant world of 
Radlandia. <laughs> Meeting colorful character characters as you grind, trick, and air your way to discover the mystical skate gods on your quest to Narvana. Ali Ali 1 and 2 were fantastic. I know you probably didn't play them, but they oh. are these like side-scrolling, like just you use the sticks and the um, face buttons. It's like a 8-bit, I want to say, like skateboarding game. Super great. Super fun. Cool. Uh, just really addicting score loop kind of game. Uh, Sam and Max Save the World Remastered by Skunk Ape, Skunk Ape Games on console. Uh, now everyone's favorite dog and rabbity thing are back and Sam and Max Save the World Remastered, a new version of their first season of episodic games that has been lovingly updated by a small group of the original developers with the blessing of Sam and Max creator Steve Purcell. You ever play Sam and Max? No, I had not. Neither have I. Um, Space Lines from the Far Out, Coffee Knots, console and PC, Fall 2021. Game demos out now on Xbox One and Xbox Series. Uh, procedurally generated co-op adventure where you and your friends are the crew of an intergalactic travel company. It's your job to get your passengers to their locations safe and happy and hopefully with as little vomiting as possible. All right. Sounds fine. Yeah, fun inventory management game. Yeah. The Big Con, Mighty Yell Studios, Studios, console and PC, August 31st, 2021. Hustle your way across 90s America as a runaway teen con artist. Choose how to make your, your scratch as you don disguises, pick pockets, and rip people off in this comedic crime-filled adventure. Experience the totally rad 90s in all its plaid and payphone glory. Here's a full list of... Oh, it sounds all right. I'm not going to complain about that. That sounds pretty cool. A unique take. Um, and then here's a, so those are just the games with the write-up, I guess. Here's a full list of the games. Aeon Drive 2, Anvil, Aragami, Button City, Evil Genius 2, Inked, Inculanti, Lab Rat, Library of Ruina, Lightyear Frontier, Loot River, Mad Streets, Ali Ali World, Pathfinder, Wrath of the Righteous, Planet of Lana, Project Wingman, Paparazzi, RPG Time, Sable, Sam and Max, Save the World Remastered, She Dreams Elsewhere, Solace State, Soup Pot, Space Lines from the Far Out, Stardew Valley, oh, yay, um, The Big Con, The Veil, Shadow of the Crown, and The Wandering Village. All right. A lot of games coming to Xbox. Seems like they're trying to take up that mantle of the indie platform, which I think would be good to sort of... Um, widen the breadth of the of game pass offerings you know yeah 100 percent. because if there's anything that game pass is good for it's giving game indie games a chance to shine on something that they would never you know normally had the that's what playstation plus is really great for for a lot of indie games like rocket league wouldn't be where it was today if it wouldn't have been put on playstation pass because that uh playstation plus because that gave it a uh boost of notoriety that it wouldn't have had because people didn't have that barrier to entry that was pay you yeah know? and having a big playing class is so important for a game like that for people to jump in and have right games so i think that's cool good for xbox i'm happy to see you know people said for so many years where are the games <laughs> yeah. and now they're like well here they are all of them yeah we literally have all the games um, Dead Space is reportedly targeting a 2022 release date. EA says the remake was one of the most damn. <laughs> EA says the re remake was one of the most demanded titles for us. Maybe just after Skate. Uh, while the company has not publicly offered any firm details on its release plans for the game internally, it's expecting to launch Dead Space during its fiscal year, ending in March 31st, 2023, according to VentureBeat. Citing sources familiar with the remake's development, the site claims EA is currently. 
EA currently tends to show more of the game later this calendar year when it could also confirm a release date, although it, the, its plans may yet change. EA announced that it's working on Dead Space Remake with a teaser trailer in July. Uh, the game is held by former Assassin's Creed Valhalla game director Eric Baptizat. The game is de- in development at Star Wars Squadron Studio e to EA Motive for PS5 and Xbox Series Xbox Series and PC. Uh, built from the ground up with a Frostbite engine, it promised to deliver, quote, an imp- improved story, characters, gameplay mechanics, and more, which could include content cut from the original game and features introduced in the sequels. Again, I'm still stoked about this. I'm stoked to play this game for the first time i do kind of want to play through dead space now that i have a, an xbox and, and it's free on game pass i kind of want to play it and experience like the original and then play the remake like when it comes out and like like play it somewhat soon so that way when i have a little bit of time to breathe between it and the remake you know yeah because uh, I, I i made the mistake with like gears of war when the third was coming out that i wanted to plow through gears of war one and two before i played the third because i hadn't played either of them yet and i played through one and two and beat them in like a weekend and then i was like i don't feel like playing the third one at all and i still haven't played gears of war three <laughs> um i haven't played another gears of war game since i was just like jesus so that kind of ruined me to that um but i i think this i i have high hopes for this i think it'll be good I think uh, I hope they do this game right. Yeah, that's really what it comes down to is I think it would be really cool to have what they're promising. I just hope they deliver on what they're promising. Yeah, hopefully they don't they don't run into the uh, cyberpunk conundrum, you know, yeah. which will be a problem for them if they do. EA's already not loved. Um. Oh. Deathloop has gone gold. Have you seen much about Deathloop? Uh, yeah, from Arcane. Yeah, yeah, looks cool. One of the few games that's a, still a PlayStation Five exclusive from Bethesda, which is weird. Last uh, of a class. One of them, yeah. There's still uh, Ghosts of uh, Tokyo. No, Ghostwire Tokyo. Ghostwire Tokyo. Yeah, yeah. That game's still coming out. Um, but yeah, so Deathloop has gone gold. Um, Deathloop is a, uh, Deathloop takes place on a lawless Island called black reef. It's central mechanic is the ability to replay sequences in order to approach situations in different ways. Players take on the role of assassin Colt who's stuck in a time loop, which sees him wake up on the same beach every day to find he's the subject of an Island wide manhunt in order to break the loop. He must use weapons and supernatural abilities to take out eight targets before the clock strikes midnight. However, there's also a rival assassin locked in the time loop called Juliana. Her job is to protect the loop by eliminating Colt. An optional multiplayer element will enable you to step into Juliana's shoes and invade other players' games. A message at the end of a Deathloop gameplay walkthrough release last month confirmed the title will not be available on other consoles until at least September 14th, 2022, when it can be expected to be released for Xbox platforms, including Game Pass. Um, I think this is really cool. I know it's a trope, but I always kind of am a sucker for like sort of Groundhog's Day loop. I kind of like it. It's a fun, fun little story mechanic, especially in like a gameplay setting. I was a little disappointed when I found out that the game wasn't a sort of like open connected world, but rather you launch new, you launch different scenarios through like a menu and then that launches you into the world. You know, you set the time, you set the uh where you want to go or whatever and you launch into the world and it'll give you different you know interactions to do that which i I guess is good for variety or whatever but 
I thought it was going to be like, you got to kill these guys. It's an open world. You figure out how to do it in the time loop, you know, whatever. If you die, you just reset, you know, and that's how it is. But it, it's a, yeah, it's, it's a little more different than that. But I, I'm so excited for it. I yeah, think it looks cool. and then you cool. can add more, like, DLC content and stuff later down the road. Yeah, it kind of gives it a Hitman feel where you're doing scenarios. Yeah. And then getting a chance. Yeah, and I like that, like I said, the added Groundhog's Day sort of element to it. I think that's cool. Yeah, I think it's always a cool story element, especially when you can, like, play into it the meta of the care, like, the player being someone you're telling that story to and the idea of, like, every you learn new things every time you play and die, you know? Yeah, definitely. I also like that you can jump into other people's world and be the heel. Yeah, it's sort of that somewhat Dark Souls kind of... Yeah, where you could be that boss. Yeah, or you just, like, write a shitty note and you're like, go this way. They just walk off a cliff. <laughs> the douche. Yeah, um, Deathloop releases on September 14th, 2021. I'll definitely be buying it only because I want to show my solidarity for the company that once was Bethesda. <laughs> Fucking buy one of their last hurrahs on the PlayStation because it doesn't seem like we're going to be getting Elder Scrolls. Damn. or star well i mean i guess i have a fucking xbox so i don't know what i'm bummed out about but i i do 100 percent prefer to play my games in the playstation ecosystem only because i like to just have my my trophies <laughs> honestly you can get achievements on xbox and i like to have them on my trophies that's fair that's the account you have it's i've thought about Which it would be what would hurt for me it move into playstation yeah, yeah like, it's, it's like, like i don't have this record that i did play all these games and it was even like it didn't matter like xbox matters so little to me that i've had i have x an xbox account but when i got this i just started a new one because i i just it doesn't matter to me that much yeah. you know but like playstation i've had the same playstation account since 2009 mm-hmm. yeah yeah um what else is there is there anything else oh mass effect legendary edition speaking of remasters mass effect legendary edition sales were well above ea's expectations bioware released the well-received mass effect legendary edition a three-game remaster collection in may 2021 almost did it again almost said 20,000 or 20 2021 now i'm losing my mind the, uh, the launch of Mass Effect Legendary Edition and the remaster of the first three Mass Effect games reignited the passion for fans around, all around the world, driving sales performance well above our expectations, EA CEO Andrew Wilson said during the publisher's first quarter earnings call on Wednesday. Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order coming to Xbox Series X and PlayStation 5 was also a moment for new and returning players to jump into that amazing game, he continued. We're going to continue to invest in both of these franchises as well as more of our amazing IP. Bioware first revealed it was working on a brand new Mass Effect game in November 2020 with the release date, or sorry, with the release of a teaser trailer. We are in the early stages of a project and I can't say any more just yet, but we are looking forward to sharing our vision for where we'll be going next, it said at the time. In December, Bioware revealed that a number of Mass Effect trilogy veterans had returned to work on the next entry in the series. During an earnings call in May, Wilson suggested EA would create a Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order sequel after Respawn's 2019 game surpassed expectations with over 10 million in sales. And this June, EA claimed that the game had been played over 20 million by, by over 20 million people across all platforms and subscription services. Um, good for EA. I guess they're still making money hand over fist. I think that just shows how much people love the Mass Effect series. It is one of the most beloved 
franchises in video games. You know, I, I think you'd be hard pressed to find something that people bring up more often when talking about, you know, what the what are the games that people should be playing, you know, who don't play games. You know, one of yeah. them is always Mass Effect. I know GTA is probably usually another one, but that's just for like the absurdity of the open world. It's not like it's like a foundational tour de force of storytelling or RPG, you know, or something like that. Um, did you uh, did you play the Legendary Edition at all? No, I didn't have the Legendary. I played Mass Effect One a bit. It just kind of felt stale, and then I just kind of fell off of it because I got really into Ghost of Tsushima. I'll probably just kind of watch a. Uh, filler video or something like that for the first one because it just feels very dated and I just don't have the patience for that kind of style of you gotta take your ship you gotta go all the way I will from two (laughs) that's not all the way it's all the way from two no it's not from two it's all the way from two no it's not it's not all the way full stop but it is all the way from two no it's not Wait, what? How is it? What do you mean? If I go from two to three and finish, that's all the way from number two. No. I'm about to fucking throw my laptop across this goddamn room. What do you mean, no? Dude, are you just, please you, tell me you're just fucking with me. How right are you now. not seeing it, dude? Just, just say it one more time, real slow, and just listen to okay, the. Okay, now I'm very saying. aware that you're fucking with me. <laughs> you leaned into it too heavy. I had to go for it, you know. Swing. That big. was your only option. It was your only option, and I, and I appreciate that you went for home plate. <laughs> you couldn't knock it out of the park with a home run, but you almost got to home plate. You hit a triple, and that's impressive. Yeah, I got alcohol. You got alcohol? I said I got out sliding for home. Oh yeah, your coach is pissed, but you know. There's the one big titty Colombian girl standing in the stands. It's like, oh, my God, he really went for it. And she'll pity fuck you later. And then she'll never talk to you again because she'll see how disgustingly tiny your penis is. Yeah, well, at least she went through with it. That feels like <laughs> nice commitment, you know. What a sweet lady. What a wonderful woman. You know. <laughs> Are, do Does anybody ever, like, they're like, you talk about how small your dick is all the time. You must have, like, a fucking massive meat hammer and then they like funny they're enough, like show me nobody has thought that really <laughs> isn't that weird you would think <laughs> that's it's usually one what, person maybe it's usually what they say and you say it very often so then nobody said that is astonishing maybe they just look at your frame and they're like but i feel like small you know thin guys usually are packing what's your uh, demographic size for looking at male penises that you know what small skinny guys penises look like that's, on the average. That's going to be pornography. Ah, uh, and porn is exactly how we should base real life. I mean, I watch so much of it that it is seeping into my daily existence. Yeah, absolutely. Can't wait to get you that AR waifu. I've already got myself one of them super suckers. 69s. <laughs> I'm just kidding, but I would buy one if I had the money the disposable income you know like one of those fucking they're like this tall and just put it on your dick and it just goes (laughs) no i feel like it'd be too easy then well yeah i certainly when thinking about it i think about the moral depravity that it would take (laughs) for an individual
Um, well, all right. Well, I think that that was a good show. We recorded for an hour and 40 minutes. Are you going to, are you planning on playing anything coming up this, this week or are you just kind of chilling? Are you just going to fucking play cyberpunk? Please play something play, different. I'm going to play cyberpunk. Please, please just fucking. Remember when we started this podcast and you were like, you won't even have to change what games you're playing, how much games you're playing. And now here you are. You don't have to change the amount that you play games. You just have to actually play other things. You but can that's talk what about. I'm enjoying. Find something new. Play one new game. Sit down and just try to open some one new thing a week. You know what? I always want to play something new. And then I hear you telling me to try new things and i'm like fuck now i can't do it but you're still so depressed and sad maybe if you listen to me for once your life might change you see how i live i listen to you all the time yeah you're depressed and sad what are you talking about i'm not depressed i was talking you have anxiety that doesn't make me depressed no but why would i want to change out mental illness i have anxiety which is a normal day-to-day condition that i push through i don't have debilitating anxiety because i'm a little bitch ass cunt you know and you're saying i have debilitating depression no you're here aren't you if you had debilitating depression you wouldn't get out of your bed then what's the point of you not having crippling anxiety i do have wait you do have crippling anxiety? no i have anxiety i don't oh well i still do things like yeah you being depressed things. keeps you from playing new games <laughs> So you just no, go to your company. You keep me me from doing being games. anxious keeps me going back to Frasier. And I'll admit that wholeheartedly. I watch Frasier every day because it's comfort food. It makes me feel safe. It makes me feel secure. So I'm not allowed to go to my comfort gaming when I game? I think just like I should watch a new show every week, you should watch a new game every Why? week. Why? Because it's good to broaden your horizons and to understand that not in order to create... I do other new like, things. In order to create that comfort food in the first place, you had to, at some point, branch out. So you have to, in order to get new comfort foods and have a more broader yeah, way no of safety. There's games coming out of them. You have Game Pass. There's tons of interesting... I don't mean new games like now. I mean new games No, I know. You. Just like... Eh, nothing catches my interest. I have a ton downloaded. They just don't... Uh, not how I want to spend my time. And I want to enjoy my time. But you don't. I do. You don't enjoy your time. You, you're you just jealous because you can't play Cyberpunk and you're just bitter about it. Because um, you bought it and then you returned it on accident and then you bought it again and then it wasn't, still wasn't working for well, I bought for it you. for the purpose to play it later. I played it then just to see what it was like after six months. I, I did buy it with the express intent of waiting for it to come out on PS5 because I knew that it was never going to be cheaper than it was for twenty five dollars at that at that point in time, you know, because it it had already gone back up in price to sixty dollars once, and and I knew that once the PS five version came out, it was only going to be sixty dollars again because they wouldn't undercut themselves in that version of the game by having that. This that. doesn't make you sound less bitter. Why would I be bitter? Because you can't play Cyberpunk. I think that's the only reason you're mad that I'm playing Cyberpunk. No, it's okay. If you were only playing, you know, fucking Arma Three, I'd be like, "What the fuck?" It's not because I wish I could play Arma Three. It's just because it's like there's other things, you know. You might you might enjoy if you downloaded them and played them. That's true. But when you watch Frasier, it's not when you should be sitting down to watch new things. 
It's like usually honestly, like, literally, Fraser is on twenty four hours a day. So yeah, it is. I don't think I've ever walked in and you've had Fraser. No, it's because I know the vibe that I'm trying that we're trying to set when we're hanging out sessioning isn't the Fraser vibe. Usually, I'm, I'd rather watch anime while we're session watching, you know, hanging hanging out. Frasier is like my like brain off kind of. That's fair. I li- I literally will fall asleep in fifteen seconds when Frasier's on. I can just close my eyes and just. How do you have it on twenty four seven if you fall asleep every fifteen seconds with Frasier on? Because I'm sleeping, all the time. That I'm also depressed. <laughs> You're Didn't like, you wait, just then say what's you the don't p- have depression? Wasn't that like I'm also in denial, man. I'm also in denial. I'm glad we just have this on record to just This is going this is going up. No, it's not. You well, one, you don't know either way because you don't listen to the podcast. <laughs> and two, yeah, it's going up. Um not nah, bro. I'm gonna beat Death's door. I'm gonna beat Death's door. You heard it here. How about you finish a game and I'll play a new game? I did finish a game. Man, no, that's I, really stuck with you. I didn't. I didn't finish a game. That's what I fucking thought. I beat a few rounds of Call of Duty. Does that count? No. All right. Well, then fine. I'll beat a game. And then you got to play something new. I will beat one new game every week if you play one new game every week. Yeah. Okay. Deal. But Shake on it. All right, you heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen. He shook on it. No crosses count. That's the most middle school girl thing you've no ever said to me. No fucking crosses count. Not even your fucking toes, you little bitch. That's also the not even your fucking toes. I don't need to because I have confidence that you won't beat a game. I'm literally at the end of Death's Door. And that wasn't the bet. The bet was you would beat a new game every week. Death's Door is not a new game. You said, how about you complete a game? I did, and then your deal that you just made us fucking shake on was, how about I'll beat a new game every week if you play a new game every week? It depends on what you classify as new. Because in my book, I mean new game, like game I've never beaten before. Now, if you want it to mean game I've never even experienced at at any point, that's going to be a little more difficult. Just in the sense that like there are games whose campaigns I want to play that I've already played, but it's not all I do. Those aren't the only... I don't come back here week after week and say, I'm still playing Skyrim. I played Skyrim one week. Week after week. Week after week. Week after week. Skyrim. Next week, it's going to be Morrowind. I could go back to Morrowind. Week after that, it's going to be Oblivion. Wrong order, but you tried your best. What are you talking about? Morrowind's the oldest. That's what I'm saying. So why would I go Skyrim, Morrowind, Oblivion? That's the order you think I'm playing? You've already played Skyrim, but you'd go back and you'd play Morrowind again. Then you'd go back and you'd play Oblivion. Then you'd go back and you'd play Skyrim. Then next day you play Morrowind again. Then you play Oblivion. You think it's per day? Interesting. Yeah, you beat the game. See, I'm just an actual completionist, unlike you. So when I play a game. How many thousand gamer score games do you have? How many? I don't know. Like, how many games have you completed the entire achievement list for? Achievement list isn't the same as being completionist. Depends. Because some of those are challenger 
attempting to better be skill-based challenges, which is not completing or collecting in-game. And many games don't have challenges. Yeah, but they don't always require you to be a completionist. They... But isn't 100% of the game and getting the trophies like technically the completionist idea? I mean, yeah, but you would just bring People are going to be like, why do they argue for no reason all the time? I was like, well, you added, well, would, well if they 100% it and they achieve it. Oh, and they got it on a separate thing and they also got the trophies on their separate console. Is that uh? Is that not being the game? I'm just saying, if you beat the game, you 100 percent the game, but there's still a, a completely unfinished list of trophies. Did you complete the thing? Yes, because hmm. trophies aren't part of the experience. Trophies are an additional challenge for you. What? Yeah, but like the developer creates the trophies. They decide the trophies. Yeah, but that doesn't mean they make the game around the trophies it doesn't mean that the story they're telling is has any relation to the trophies the trophies have relation to the story and experience they're telling well and so does the rest of the world that involves the completion that you gotta participate in no because completing and collecting everything in a game yeah that you don't need to do you don't have to do the trophies to collect all that. But. And so for you to say I didn't complete a game. I didn't say you didn't complete the game, but I think the completionist kind of ideal is to wrap up the entire package of the game, you know, 100% the game, get all the trophies or the achievements or whatever. And then that game is, there's nothing, no other amount of value you can extract from that piece of entertainment. You know what I'm saying? You've sucked it dry. You've just fucking... Only if the trophies are entertaining. There are some bad trophies. but There I, are lots of horrible trophies. But I, I think that's subjective, you know? Yeah. But I, I, completing things on a checklist is not subjective. It is objective. So you can objectively complete the game. No, but I mean the value... Or the quality of entertainment of of those te- che- of that yeah, but me itself. what if me going for the trophies lowers my value of entertainment of the game? Would you say I didn't complete the game? What if you one hundred percenting the game lowers your value of the game? Does that say you didn't? Compl- I mean, technically, yeah, that does say you didn't complete the game. So doesn't that prove my point? No. How does that not prove my point? That proves my point that. How? That you're saying completing like if, if the you game is to not separate from it, the trophies. If you say, I choose not to complete the story portion, or, or I choose not to 100% the world of this game because it lowers my value of the game, but I completed this game. You completed your what you wanted to with you the game, finished but you didn't the complete game. the game. No, see, you're doing some bullshit semantics about the word complete. That's all conversation is. It's just semantics. People who... No, wrong. There's a single thesis point that we're discussing, and you changing the thesis point to create, make your argument more valid. I think you is a distrustful argument. I think you implying a a much more nefarious intent than just us maybe simply having a different understanding of what each other means by the term completionist. I don't think anybody's changing anything. I think that we just might have different understandings (laughs) and definitions of the meaning of completionist. Definitely. You haven't walked up and down the 
spectrum. What are you talking about? Well, you went from completing a game is only 100%ing it and getting trophies is to isn't someone just being done with the game, not completing it. Because, I mean, in that sense, anytime someone never picks the game up, they've completed it. Because they've completed their play with it. My point was that to complete the game, like to consider, be considered, to consider the entire thing completed, you have to also get all the trophies and achievements. That was my point. That has always been my point. To do the entire thing. To say I completed the experience of this game. Now I am personally done with the trophies. Aren't the experience, but they are an experience of the game implemented by the developer. But that's like saying you didn't watch a movie unless you watched the behind the scenes. And no, you didn't complete features. the experience of the movie. That's but we're talking the movie about movie is a separate experience from the behind the scenes. But understanding Just like the, the trophies, movie with the perspective of the behind the scenes, as well as finishing the game with the understanding of having to go get the trophies and experience every different. But it's different not. Crane. Did you do it with the art? Did you read the separate lore stories behind the game? Because then you're not finishing the experience. Because Halo, they wrote novels about the Fall of Reach. Did you read all the novels that imply? That's not and game. add story to the... But that's part of the experience of the entertainment of the game. Just like the trophies are an excess add-on, they are another part of the experience and entertainment you get from the Halo Reach Fall game. That's like... And I, you only get that because of the game. You wouldn't have those book series. So if somebody plays a game that has a bunch of add-on mini games you can't enjoy star wars unless you've read everything in their extended universe is the a hundred percent claim i'm saying well i would say that that's a dumb claim because i would say something along the lines more of like you haven't completed the full experience of the uh uh uh, revenge or, or or sorry return of the jedi if you don't watch the behind the scenes and watch the movie and listen to the commentary as well maybe look at some prop art and shit like that. I would say you don't fully under, have a full grasp of the experience of that movie if you don't do all of that. Yes. Like just having the general fan experience and sitting there and watching the movie isn't completing the experience. of it. You get an experience, you get your experience, and that's totally fine and that's completely valid. But I think to say you get the complete experience by saying I just 100% of the game when there's an entire facet of the game that could have some things that aren't attached to that 100% but are attached to the game world itself, I think isn't complete, you know? I mean, you can think that, but you'd be wrong. Maybe. I don't know, but that is what I think. All right. Well, thank you for listening to episode six of the Checkpoint Podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Hall. I'm joined again, once again and always, by the illustrious, beautiful baby bird boy into baby bird breeding kink. uh, (laughs) Man, you added so much in there. (laughs) Have a good, have a good one. Bye. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Matt is not a Trump supporter, I promise. The Checkpoint Podcast is a product of Checkpoint Productions, LLC. The show is edited, directed, written, and hosted by me, Tyler Hall, with contributions in writing and hosting from Matt Dropot.
You can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash checkpoint podcast underscore, where you can find all of our other relevant links at l-i-n-k-t-r dot e-e slash checkpoint podcast underscore. We thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week. Take care.